Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Third hour of the show is here. If you've missed portions of Outkick 360, you can find it on the podcast wherever you download your audio. Coming up in 20 minutes, Brock Hewer joins us from Fox Sports. Of course, um, he is with the USFL on the sidelines. We'll talk NFL draft with him, college football headlines with Mark Emmert announcing that he's stepping down next July, by July of 2023. I think that's the way to phrase it, by July of 2023. As long as – if they find his replacement before July, he's out. I just think that the most important thing is finding the NCAA's replacement and not his because there's going to have to be something different. The NCAA as we know it, can't exist unless yeah, it's you, unless it's covering other sports. Yeah, and you you can't you can't have a complete transformation without transforming the president's role in all this, which is you know, Emmert had to go if you're going to transform moving forward how you're going to view things. Well, that thick rule book for the NCAA, that whole thing needs to be thrown into a yeah. fire and burned start and start with the pamphlet. over. And grow it. Start over from scratch and figure out what each sport, what the rules are to govern those sports. That's the only way to do it. And then I think you've got to segment it off and have different leaders for each respective sport. And uh, that, I don't know that that's going to be called the NCAA, but whatever it is, that, that's where, to me, you start. Um, so there are some other injury flags that have, have come up in, in various reports. Uh, Devin Lloyd, who's regarded as one of the top defensive players in the entire draft. He just plays an inside linebacker position that teams don't value very high in terms of money and fifth-year option and first-round value. Not taking anything away from the player. Um, But to preface this, a lot of times, if you're an inside backer, you're a two-down player, and that's how teams are viewed at the position now. It's looked like great player, running back almost. Yeah, Devin Lloyd and N'Kobe Dean have both been flagged for medicals, and that could, according to reports, Paul, push them out of the first round. Lloyd is considered to be like anywhere between pick 16 and 24 a lock. Like if he got if he got to New England at 24. There are those in that cover the the Patriots in Boston who say they would run to the podium yeah. with that selection. They need defensive speed. I've seen them mostly with um, with a guard, mostly with Zion Johnson. That's second, who I have them second mocked. most with with uh, Lloyd. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Lloyd go there before I saw this, and you and I talked about uh, about this, which is really surprising. That, that one of them would be out, and now both of them, two premier guys at the same position. Imagine if they fall to somebody well, like New England in the second. What a value that th- would be. This is, this is from Matt Miller, by the way. Uh, Super From legit. the draft scout, yes. And, you know, he, Matt's also – It's from his site. From his site, and he also him. contributes to ESPN. 
And I always hesitate with the, these medical reports in particular this week of every year yep. because the medicals are done in large part at the combine. Yeah. And then rechecks so a month or we're like six, weeks, six later. weeks removed from the combine, and it's just now getting out, and it just happens to be the same position. Yeah, um, that there are medical flags on both guys. Now that could have been rechecks. I don't know what the re- timetable yeah, for be. the rechecks is. Yeah, could have. That's fair. Fallen then. That's fair, and and you know you're you're going to uh, do some things at pro days and stuff to to, uh, to or whenever the player comes something. in for an official visit, whatever it might be, but. In large part, the medicals are done at the combine, and then you reassess. And I hesitate to jump all the way in and say medical red flag because, look, what's the, what's the old saying about once you get to week two in the NFL, everybody's dinged up, everybody's injured. And you could make the argument that there's going to be some type of medical ding on someone's report for every player in the league. Um, the question is how, how detrimental is it to their overall value? I don't see how with with the it's got to be something extremely serious. I don't see how Lloyd falls out of the first round tomorrow night. No, I I, I tend to think not as well. But let's stick with your example. If you're New England, yeah, and you really like Lloyd and you really like Johnson, and all of a sudden now there's a little bit of a medical flag on on Lloyd. We don't know how serious it right. is or not. Yeah. But if you're looking at both of them, you have them graded roughly equal. You have equal needs at guard and inside backer. And say you have equal, you know, third-round options of third-round talents at the same positions, then you might lean Johnson more all of a, all of a sudden. I think those are fair kind of comparisons to make. I know Chad loves Dean. One of your, I do. Your, one of your favorite guys. I do. I, he draft. was the best, most productive player on the on a great, an all time great Georgia defense. It's crazy to me to see the evolution of the game. To me, the middle linebacker is the running back equivalent on defense. Yeah. Devalued completely. Two two snap two down. Fifth year option goes down. You can find that guy in the draft in the middle rounds. And think about the eighties and nineties where running back and middle linebacker were two of the spots you knew on every team. Yep. That you'd watch. Those were two of the stars. That was a star on defense oftentimes and the star of the offense on running back. It's, it's different now. I get that. But there is a lot of value for the elite guys at that position, especially guys that think well on their feet and help the entire defense. I think both are that guy, um, especially N'Kobe Dean, who is a super smart football player. I love him. Well, we just saw Super Bowl champs add Bobby Wagner, who's not the same guy he was, but still, in their view, a very valuable commodity um, from from the Seahawks. Um, there are really good ones are of value. After you reach a right. certain stage, then and it's also evolved to a small guy, small, fast guy who could play coverage. Much more so. I mean, there are kind of two classes of inside linebackers now. And, and you usually have a, a bigger downhill guy and a smaller uh, backwards-moving guy. But those smaller backwards-moving guys are more and more popular. In Nashville, we've seen a, a whole bunch of them, and it's been eight years' worth now of, of those guys cycling through. And what happens to those guys? They tend to get chewed up and spit out over time because they get beat up. This is a great year to need inside linebacker and be drafting on day three and have multiple picks in the fourth or fifth round. 
Like that's the value here. Um, so I think if these guys get and passed maybe up, the league talent wise, talent wise, Devin Lloyd could be a top ten talent and be selected in the twenties because of his position, yep. not because of the talent. Absolutely. So it's not far fetched to see him fall out of the first round to begin with. But given the number of teams, and and here's the other thing too, and and we'll hit on this more tomorrow. The reason why it's also very hard to predict who's falling is there are eight teams who have multiple picks. There's also eight teams who do not have a first-round pick. So the run on players are going to be broken up anyway because you have multiple teams selecting positions that they may have already selected or may not need, and they're taking advantage of the extra pick at a completely different position than where the run may occur, meaning wide receiver, quarterback, whatever. Um, that, that could push these inside linebackers down a bit too. Um, speaking of quarterback, though, what team would you guys put – what team comes to mind first for teams who could surprise us tomorrow at quarterback? Oh. I've got one. You want me to start? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Start. Houston. Because Houston in the discussion – and I know McLean's against this, and I, I trust him on it. And he says they're not drafting quarterback. I, I've always been focused on pick number three. They have the 13th pick. And if you're talking where we could see some of these guys go, you could start to see them tick off around that area. Um, are they really certain on Davis Mills? Like, are we really buying that? Like, in John any other McClain in is any other every market, time we bring it up, I, I, I just it bugs me that the the Steelers have Trubisky, and they just signed him, and yet we're we're not sold on Trubisky, but for some reason the consensus is. Oh, the, the Texans are sold on Davis Mills. Like, uh, to me, they're one in the same. Like I, I put them in the same tier. And if they're in the same tier, then why are we not trading the positions the same when it comes to the draft, especially given the Texans having two first-round picks? I've got two. Colts, Giants. Colts, without a first-round pick, you're saying trade up. No, I'm saying... Uh, uh, I, I don't think they'll trade up, but I think if one of those guys slips slips through... Giants are interesting, too. They could be there. Giants want to give Daniel Jones every chance, but what if somebody... Uh, particularly if they trade down and they've got two high picks. Yeah. If they turn one of those picks into a bounty um, and somebody falls in their lap that they love... Chad, you need to go ahead and say it. I know you're thinking it. I don't, that's a good... The Giants are good. <laughs> yeah, Titans. I'm going to say Titans at 26. If the right guy is there, wouldn't completely shock me that they go ahead and draft their Who's guy. Who's the right future. guy for them? Is it Ritter? I don't know, but whoever they value the most that's still around. Ritter, if he's around, yeah, sure. The Vrabel, Fickle connection with Ritter. Uh, they know that they've got one more year with Ryan Tannehill, more than likely. Why not? If someone, if everybody's so dead set on Malik Willis needs a year to sit, even if he's drafted sixth overall or wherever it yeah. may be, then I don't think the Titans would have some big problem sitting a guy they, for a year. They fit the, they fit the description of what this draft is like at the quarterback position. Meaning, these guys need quote unquote a year to develop and sit and redshirt. There are only certain teams that could do that. Well, Titans certainly could do they that. They could do that. But it goes against their surround Tannehill with greatness. Um, 
because they'd be waiting on receiver, which they need to help surround them with greatness, and guard, which they need to help surround but, them I mean, with greatness. I, because I, I, they don't have the second round. I know. Because of the Julio Jones trade. If they had not made the Julio Jones trade, which we all endorsed on the front side, and they had a second round pick, then it would become easier uh, to do. I, yeah. I also I think Ritter, the accuracy thing bothers me. We're, we're going to yeah. see in Nashville a true test of Mike Vrabel's connections. Because he's got great insight to Ritter, because Fickle, mm-hmm. he was Fickle's best man, and they got great insight to Zion Johnson, who I think might be gone, but uh, it goes to Dallas a lot and and to New England a lot, and a lot of the mo- better mocks, mocks by better people, who was his son's roommate for two years at BC. Two I, major insight paths there. I'll tell you something I wouldn't hate at all for the Titans: Matt Corral at twenty six. They need an upgrade also at backup quarterback. I mean, that's the immediate spot. Tannehill's not going to play every snap. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, he's Paul. every snap since he's taken The preference over. is you take – you're right. But I, I just I, – I, you draft someone in hopes that, A, they're a starter right away. So, I'm, I pick Zion Johnson because I think they're going to draft a guard because they're going to plug and play. But – Finally. You do – there is a chance if you want to make this argument. You, you need to upgrade at some point at backup quarterback. You do that with a first-round pick, and you got to figure out what you're doing in the long run. And if you draft a guy at 26 and surprise, you were telling everyone this is our franchise quarterback also, moving forward. In, in thinking Which is about, something they're going to have to figure out soon. In thinking about the structure of rosters, keep in mind where the money is now versus where the money will be a year from now. A year from now in Nashville, the money's going to be with A.J. Brown, with Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, it's going to be non-quarterback. You're going to go young. So financially, you invest in the first round there. The Giants are a good example of this. A year from now, while they're, they have the option on Daniel Jones, they either invest heavily in Daniel Jones or they have a young option to turn back to and they re- rinse and repeat what they just went through with Daniel Jones, which is you pay the surrounding cast. There are others like Kansas City that they're not going to invest in quarterback because they've invested $500 million over a long-term contract in Patrick Mahomes. You have to look at the length of the contract left versus who's there. Tampa. Tampa could be one of these teams. Yeah. Uh, Brady's contract is structured to where he's done yeah. after 2022. I still think some of these guys that you think get better surroundings and better stability this year and you get a better read on them in a year, I bet you a year from now we still don't have as good a feel on Kyler Murray as we want. I bet you the Giants, for all their good intentions a year from now, still don't have a clue about Daniel Jones. I think we're going to know 100% on Daniel Jones this year. Yeah, well, by not with knowing, new, with by not knowing in, you probably know. I think we're all going to know. But I like that candidate, Paul, for a surprise quarterback. Mm-hmm. Put some heat on him. You know, bring a guy in. Hey, here's, here's your replacement. If it doesn't work out, great. And it's I, right here. I, I didn't mention um, Atlanta. Because everyone has, yeah, th- we, they've seen that they're in position to draft a quarterback. And I don't think people would be shocked if they do, because of the offensive-minded head coach and the fact that they traded away Matt Ryan. Again, they're in position next year, not this year, but next year, to jump in and start building and taking advantage of a quarterback on a rookie contract. I'm going to throw two teams out, and you guys tell me why no one's talking about them for quarterback okay. right now. Um, Seattle at number nine. And Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota's a good one. That's a good one. I, I, Minnesota's I one I thought about putting on the list, but I have not heard one peep 
about quarterback with Minnesota. Everybody's got them going cornerback with their first pick. Uh, I don't know about that one. Seattle has just convinced people that they're – But I think to Hutton's point, they're convincing – doesn't come across as honesty to me, much like what we're hearing about the Texans and Davis it's just, Mills. It's just interesting. It just doesn't seem right to me that they really feel that way. Like everyone's mentioning Carolina. Carolina with Sam Darn. Well, we know the ownership wants a franchise quarterback. They've been desperate to sign one. We know the Jets want a wide receiver because they've been desperate to sign another one. No um, hints out of Seattle. Meanwhile, in Houston, it's just, you know, Davis Mills is their guy. And I, Davis Mills can turn out to be a very fine quarterback. But how are we so sold on that given the fact that Houston has not one but two top 15 picks in this I mean they they could draft offensive line defense they could have their pick of it here at number three and then at 13 draft for the future I'll give you another one this this is pretty crazy I think but I'm looking at it Baltimore Mm. because if uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't said a word right could you could you draft Malik Willis there? Well, You've got an offense that's built for that probably suits him. You you go another year with Lamar, you just let him walk, and you've got another but the Lamar Jackson like quarterback. But they have that I, I don't guy. think Willis lasts to fourteen. Cheap. They they have Tyler Huntley cheap. He's under contract for another year. Plus they have restricted free agency on him because he was what undrafted. Yeah, and he, when he came in for Lamar, he was—I mean, the way he played was very Lamar Jackson-like. May, maybe not the ceiling of these guys. Yeah. No, he's not lasting until fourteen. Well, I don't know. Some scenarios have him. That—that's what makes Thursday night so intriguing. Is uh, and and we, uh, Charles Robinson wrote a great column at Yahoo just about uh, talking to a bunch of people who said we have in the league. He said we have. Less idea of what's going to happen in this draft than we've ever had. We just don't know. And the reason for that is the grades. Like, I believe the reports where they say that most teams have between 14 and, what, 17 first-round grades. Yeah, like one true of these guys selectable said, picks in the first round. One of these guys said 20 to 60 around the league could be the, the same. The same. Which, which really sucks if you're rooting for a team that has 20 to 32 in the first round. Because you could be getting a pick that really is valued by two-thirds of the league as, yeah. as 50 if you're drafting at 25. Well, ask Brock Heward his thoughts on this rookie class that enters the NFL coming up tomorrow night, uh, who his top quarterback selection would be. Get his take on the USFL through two weeks and some college football discussion as well. And that starts with leadership up top with Mark Emmert announcing he's stepping down as president of the NCAA official in July of 2023. Brock Hewer joins us next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. You can check out the doubleheader on Fox for the USFL coming up this Saturday. 
Uh, starts in the afternoon, and then you've got the night game between Birmingham and New Orleans, two un, uh, unbeaten teams at this point with some really solid quarterback play, offensive players of the week and back-to-back weeks for Birmingham and New Orleans, and that'll be live on Fox. Brock Hewitt will be a part of that broadcast, and he joins us now ahead of the NFL Draft, USFL, and so much more. Brock, hope you're doing well. Good to see you in Birmingham last weekend and uh, really enjoying the coverage so far. Yeah, good to uh, good to be with you, boys. Doing well, getting ready, kind of getting used to these little non-stops from <laughs> Denver to Birmingham via United. Like no jokes, that was the selling point when my agent called. He said, "Hey, uh, they already looked it up. There's a direct flight from Birmingham to to Denver and vice versa." And so I'm getting kind of used to it and having a good time. And and you're right, the the QB play, especially with uh, with Sloter and Jamar, of has been pretty darn good and sets up a pretty good matchup Saturday night. So, Brock, we were just having this discussion about the draft and teams that could surprise in taking a quarterback in the first round and brought up the fact that I don't see one mock that has Seattle taking a quarterback in the first round, and that's surprising to me. What do you think about the quarterback situation with Seattle and what the long-term goal is if it's not a first-round quarterback this year? Well, they'll have two first-round picks next year. We know that John Schneider likes to to trade down. That's always been his M.O. for the last 12 years in Seattle. And would I be shocked if he trades out of nine down to get another first-rounder the following year? I would not. I also know this is the first time in 12 years they've had this kind of a a draft capital to to go get a difference maker. Um, By all accounts, everybody I've talked to, including a couple scouts, on that plane from Birmingham to uh, to Denver last weekend, uh, they all say the same thing. This draft runs about 13 to 15 starters, 13 to 15 bona fide first round dudes and difference makers. And after that, there's not a whole lot of separation, 16 to 50, 55. So, you know, sitting at number nine as Seattle is after trading Russell Wilson, I don't think they love anybody in this draft. I don't really love anybody in this draft. If I'm sitting at nine with the holes the Seahawks have, a little bit of rebuild mode, pick nine, pick 40, pick 41. I need a tackle. I need a pass rusher. I need a corner. And I just don't think there's a QB in this draft. Now, next year's draft, uh, especially if they struggle this season, next year's draft I think has a few at the very top. And as I said earlier, if you can trade down, get a third first rounder next year. Now you're talking the kind of artillery you would need either to be at the top of the draft or multiple, multiple, multiple first round picks to go up and and get your guy next year. In your eyes, who's the best quarterback in this draft and, and what kind of ceiling does he have? Malik Willis is the most gifted, but he's got a ways to go. He just, he, he's got a, a learning curve. You know, I was thinking about this, and, and I'd be curious if you three uh, with your brains can, can come come up with a name because I couldn't. I looked at the 32 NFL starting QBs right now. Five of them were transfers, but all five of those transferred big school to big school. Joe Burrow, obviously, Ohio State to LSU. Kyler Murray and Baker from their respective schools in Texas to Oklahoma. Russell Wilson, um, from from NC State up to Wisconsin, and there's one, uh, Jalen Hurts. So th- those were the, the five to me um, that all transferred big school to big school. And, I, you know, I don't know the last to have transferred now. Liberty is Division One still. It's at the bottom of the Division One as far as its conference and everything else. But um, 
Joe Flacco. I, I, you know, when I reached out to Daniel Jeremiah and Joel Klatt and a few of my buddies doing the draft, that was kind of the name they came up with. And that's been a, that's been a long time. So not a lot of precedent set, you know, leaving Auburn as, as Malik did after a couple of years going down to play at a little bit lower level, lower level competition, certainly, and, and excelling. He's got, he's got the most talent. He's got the highest probably learning, steepest learning curve coming out of the competition he's faced the last couple of years. Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, to me, are, are second-round guys. I see a lot of Teddy Bridgewater. I see a lot of Andy Dalton. Um, Corral is unique. I think he's the most unique delivery-wise. He's just like a point guard facilitator, quick release. There's things I love about him. His durability is a question mark. Things I love about Desmond Ritter, but did he really move the needle and change the temperature in a room? And his senior bowl was pretty so-so by all accounts. And and then there's you know the guy at the bona fide season and Kenny Pickett, albeit a, a one-year wonder. Uh, he had just an unbelievable season, lifting you know Pitt to the ACC title game and everything else. So it's a it's a crapshoot for me. I wouldn't take any of them before twenty. Um, I'd feel much more comfortable in the early second round, like Kaepernick, like a Dalton, like where those guys used to get drafted. But that's not just that's just not the NFL as we know it today. If, if you're a quarterback and you're a quarterback needy team, we know that those guys go well ahead of their draft grades many, many times. Jacksonville's offseason, uh, Brock Hewitt, our guest, the Jags offseason has been about building around Trevor Lawrence. Do they continue to do that with the number one overall pick and go tackle? Or do you think they go defense? Well, they extended their tackle this morning, right? Or yep. yesterday that news out with Cam. So they've you know solidified at least that left tackle spot. I think a quarterback's best friend is not only a running game, but an elite defense and a defense that helps you and a defense that gives you the ball back and a defense that doesn't force you to score 30 points a game offensively. So I think with, with their artillery of, of draft capital, and first pick of every round, and, and obviously a valuable second round pick as well, where I think there could still be a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, certainly a difference maker offensively. You go get the very best, the most disruptive, um, the biggest game record you deem. Now, the problem <laughs> is the four of us could probably disagree on who that is in this draft, just as I think many people are doing in all of their mocks and, and certainly building up to tomorrow night, which will make it one of the more fascinating drafts. I think in a lot of these over the last decade, we've known it. He's going to go number one. Yep, these are going to be basically the top 10 picks. This is how it's going to fall. I don't think any of us have consensus, have a feel for that. Hutchinson, Aiden would be obviously the safest pick. There's, I think, guys with higher upside. Um, certainly the tackle. One of my favorite players is I saw Icky at NC State this year, and that guy is just, I mean, he's just, he's just not a human. You know, it's kind of like Jordan Davis. Like, that's just, that's not a human. You know, you're not supposed to move like that at, at that size with those measurables. So there's some unique human beings as well. Hutchinson, the safest pick. He's a hell of a game wrecker. I don't think Jacksonville could go wrong if that's the guy they end up picking number one. So with some of these teams, Brock, that it's a will they, won't they with quarterback in the first round and, and reach for a guy that early, you've got these what I would call bridge quarterback situations. Trubisky with Pittsburgh. You've got Locke with Seattle. You've got Mariota in Atlanta. Um, how would you rate those guys? Is there one guy that you liked enough to where you would say, man, they got a chance to be a starter for more than a year out of that group? Or did I describe them aptly when I said they're really just a bridge guy to get to the franchise quarterback? 
Yeah, I think it's it's more of that the, the latter there. I, I would say coming out of school, Mariota was a guy that I loved. I saw him a lot on the West Coast when I was living up in Seattle, calling a lot of the games. And, and I know he didn't have the biggest personality, but man, he was just warrior tough and physical. And, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of things that, that I still continue to love about him. And this will be probably his last opportunity, frankly, right? Tennessee goes to Vegas. Here, you're going to get a chance to go in as the starter. And and I think if I'm in Marcus's camp and I'm his agent, and I'm his wife and I'm his family, like, bro, you gotta, you gotta capture this moment because I don't think you're going to get a, a fourth crack at it or fourth opportunity. So uh, out of the, out of that grouping that you just mentioned there, Trubisky to me is trouble throwing. Uh, Drew is, is a talented guy, but I think he has anticipation and certainly accuracy issues and has over his three years in the league. Mariota has to me been the one that, that flashes a little bit has taken a, enough of a beating. I think has has gotten a little bit grittier and and realizes like this this may be my last shot at being a starter in this league and and he's got to go go capture it in a good organization with, with a great owner. I think a good head coach, a good offensive minded head coach, and uh, and I'm certainly one. And I know there's many that are rooting for Marcus because he's been a class act, been a great guy even through struggles and adversity in the league. And I hope he captures some of the talent that many people thought he had coming out of school. Brock Heward, our guest. Brock, a year and a half ago, if you would have told me that, you know, on the eve of this draft, we would not be talking about Sam Howell in the first round, I would have been shocked. All the upside at Carolina, and then we saw what happened last year. What happened with Howell? And where do you, what's the drop-off of the, the, the upper crust of this year's quarterback class to where Howell is going in the second round, most likely? Who knows? Um, right. it, we're not, we're not mentioning him with this next, with this top tier of the class right now. And, and, and to me, that's a huge dip from where he was a year and a half ago. I totally agree. And, you know, it's interesting if you and I were watching the first game of the year last year, what Virginia tech, and I think he had three interceptions. If we were all watching that game together, you would have heard me say to you, gosh, this reminds me of my last year of school. Uh, last century, it was a long time ago uh, when when I <laughs> wore a helmet, it wasn't leather, uh, but it was last century. Uh, I went into my senior year a little bit like Sam Howell is, is a guy that was projected uh, at the top of the draft or, or and I even thought about coming out of school the year before in the draft with Peyton and Ryan Leaf, but I went back to school. But I went back to school absent a lot of the people that uh, that made me look good the first two years as a starter. And that was Olin Krutz and Jerome Payton and Freddie Coleman and Cam Cleland, Rashawn Sheehy, a lot of dudes, really good players. A lot of them played in the NFL for a long time. They all moved on. I went back to school and started over and started with freshmen and started with inexperience. And when I watched Sam this year, man, I flashed back to 1998 at Washington for me. I watched my fundamentals fall apart. I got beat up physically, mentally emotionally, I just was not the same guy. And, and I fell to 77 to my hometown team in the third round and the Seahawks took a chance on me and rebuilt some of my fundamentals back up. But that's what I see with Sam. And I think that's why you saw him in his stock and you know his projection fall is, man, his fundamentals just fell apart. And I know he had to run it. I know he had to carry it. I know he felt the loss of so many dynamic people around him that helped him shine those first two years, record setting years. And even when it was all said and done, I was looking at his numbers. I mean, his numbers at the end of this season, what were they, like 38 touchdowns to seven picks? I mean, they were still pretty eye-popping numbers. 
But I think it was when you watched it, you just saw a guy that got so beat up, I think mentally, physically, and emotionally as well. And I hope for his sake, he lands at the right spot with a veteran guy that can kind of build him back up with a really good with a good QB coach and a good offseason program that can build him up, that he can learn in an NFL system different than the one at UNC that can build him up because he does certainly have some talent and he has flashed that over his three years in college. Brock Heward with us. He joins us from Denver. What has it been like in Denver with Russell Wilson on the field for OTAs? <laughs> uh, mania. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I heard there were like you know, 50, they, they gotta, 50 local media members out there covering him. I mean, it's this this town is Bronco country is crazy. I thought the 12s up in Seattle were nuts, right? I mean, yeah. and you hear about them across the country and you, you see them, you know, flood stadiums or you have over the last decade. We'll see now what post Russell Wilson life looks like. But I mean, it's just everywhere. I don't mean to bring this up again because I know the last time we got together, I told you my colonoscopy and that's where I heard <laughs> that Russell was traded on my little walkout as I was emptying my system. But seriously, from that day forward, that day in the hospital, listening to the nurses right outside my room, Chad, can you believe it? we got Russell Wilson too? Him buying the most expensive house in the history of Denver real estate to the barbershop today. You know, with the with the gal cutting my hair, asking me about Russell Wilson. Everybody wants to know about Russell Wilson, Russell, 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 Russell. So, yeah, it is pretty much nonstop. And when you're, you know, filling a void uh, that has been huge the last six years, I think it's been them and the Jets or the Browns that have played, I think the Jets have played more QBs than anybody else in the league. And you're following in the footsteps of two of the greatest to ever, ever, ever do it in Elway and Manning you start to understand why so much noise and attention is being paid to him in this market. So Brock, I want to get back in your colonoscopy. No, I'm just, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I, have a, I actually have a quarterback question. Um, when you hear the phrase system quarterback, and we're seeing a lot of this now with Malik Willis, well, he's going to have to learn an NFL system. He's going to have to learn a lot about playing quarterback. It may have to sit out a year. Has the definition of system quarterback changed over the years as NFL offenses have, have started to mimic a lot of college offenses. An example is right here in the state where we broadcast this show with Josh Heupel and the offense he runs at Tennessee that's going to produce a lot of numbers for whoever's playing that, that fast-paced offense. But when you look at it from a quarterback perspective, what do you think about the quarterback's role in that offense and then the adjustment to the NFL? Yeah, I don't think you're ever ready for the NFL, no matter what college system you come out of. I mean, Chip Kelly, I remember, and I don't know if I told you guys this story last time, and if I did, say, uh, try again, Brock. You know, you just keep repeating stories. Um, we just talked about us. your colonoscopy last time, so this is good. Okay. This, is, this is new information. <laughs> but we were, we were getting ready for the uh, bowl game that eventually, sadly, got canceled between UCLA and NC State and uh, Gus Johnson. I was going to work that game. Joel was out, and, uh, and Gus asked – Chip, he's like, man, you really think DTR is ready for the NFL? Like, what have you told them? And Chip kind of looked at me and, and said, hey, Brock, do you think you're ever ready for the NFL? Like, you know, I mean, it just is a huge step for anybody and everybody, no matter how complex your system was. It was for Peyton Manning when he had David Cutcliffe's system and, and he was such a fundamental stud, right? Coming out of, of Tennessee and going into the NFL and 29 picks later, he would tell you, yeah. I mean, it is a steep learning curve. And the offenses, to your to your question, and I think it is a good one, while the offenses in a lot of places, it becomes speed and spacing, and you're seeing that in the USFL, right? The two teams that are 2-0 and playing this weekend, 
Larry Fedora, Skip Holtz, right? Speed, spacing, tempo kind of guys having some success against NFL guys right now and see over the course of the year. But yeah, you're seeing some of that infiltrate the NFL, but what you're still seeing on the other side defensively is where you just get smacked across the face. So you may have a, a, a better feel. You may have simplified some of your offense, but my goodness gracious, what you see in the NFL, what you feel in the NFL. I remember talking to Justin Herbert about this his rookie year. I had one of his games early and I had his last game of the year. And I said, okay, man, like 14 games under your belt. Cause I think he started Tyrod started the first game, 15 games under your belt. How do you feel? He's like, uh, it's crazy. This game is so fast. That D line is just on you. Those edges just surround you. Like, yeah, I'm not any more comfortable in the pocket today. I may know a little bit more with more experience, but those defenses are so fast. They are so physical. They are so complex. So while you may simplify your offense or offenses, you know, we saw it last year, right? Um, with uh, with Shanahan in San Francisco, building the package for Trey Lance, getting his, getting his feet wet, getting him comfortable because he too was pretty inexperienced coming out of school. It's what those guys and those monsters do on the other side. They're really, you're just never prepared for, you're ill-equipped for, no matter what system you come out of college. Brock Heward with us. Brock, finally, uh, Mark Emmert, we know, is stepping down by July of 2023 from the NCAA. Is there a, uh, in a job description for that position, is there an item zero or an item 1A that, that needs to be required in the next guy who's in that spot as we move into... The, the future, the future is now of college sports. We're seeing the landscape of it. Um, as they embrace this, what's important to get right with this next hire? Well, two things come to mind. Uh, the requirement would, you would have to be just incredibly agile, hmm. nimble, and brilliant. Um, I, you know, because this thing is ever evolving and ever changing and the sands are constantly shifting under your feet. So to think like, oh, I've got to have all of this experience or I've got to check these boxes. No, this this game and all of it is changing so dramatically. The other side of me says <laughs> it's almost like some of my grade sheets in, in football used to say NC. <laughs> no chance. No chance. That play was dead on arrival. Like you had no chance of success either with your athleticism and talent or uh, the breakdowns in front of you. Like that was just going to be a, a very, very tall task. Where this is going, nobody knows. My wife and I were actually just on a walk today uh, talking about this. I've got a daughter that's um, likely to commit to a college here to play basketball. My oldest plays basketball at the University of Montana. And I was just saying to my wife, like this is just you can't look at it like we used to can't look at it like our careers. It's just not that way anymore. You know, the, the, the transfer portal and the NCAA just is a totally different animal. It almost is a year by year world that you're living in. And we're seeing that in football and basketball and this transfer portal. And until there's some level of structure, until there's some guardrails, until there's some understanding of NIL, until there's some, man, some something, you know, so it's not shifting under your feet entirely until that something and that foundation is built. We are all reaching, we are all guessing. And basically all the arrows get shot at Mark Emmert um, is, is, the, is the failure in this one. In reality, I think there was very little he could do in his position underneath those shifting sands. Three o'clock, seven o'clock, doubleheader, USFL on Fox, Tampa Bay. The band is taking on the Houston Gamblers, followed by 2-0 Birmingham against 2-0 New Orleans. 
and the top offenses there and some quarterbacks that have been putting on some shows in the first two weekends of the league. Brock will be on the sidelines for that. Maybe getting some more interviews with some kickers, Brock, that lay out <laughs> some guys on special teams. Always the highlight of the weekend there. He was he was almost speechless uh, whenever you were talking to him, which is surprising, given the moment. Yeah, he, he looked at me like, you know, some of my linemen used to look at me and huddle. <laughs> I don't know. I just blacked out. I have no yeah. idea what just happened. Didn't try to dig any deeper. Like, I closed my eyes. I blacked out. And I'm just glad I got to, to live, you know, through that. Hopefully I'll see one of you guys or all you yeah, guys man. down there as well over the course of the rest of the season. And appreciate all you guys are doing to promote the USFL those players deserve it, man. They're playing their guts out. Coaches love what they're doing. I know I have been really impressed being on the sidelines and watching that growth, watching guys buy into one another. And I know the fans have enjoyed the access, so we'll keep giving you that, and hopefully we'll get to see you guys soon. Yep, sounds great, Brock. Thanks, Appreciate Brock. you, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Brock, yeah, boy, see Brock, you were there, uh, Fox Sports, and uh, the coverage from Fox has been excellent. If you're, if you're curious and if you haven't tuned in yet, tune into the doubleheader. I'll have all the bells and whistles going for these games. The doubleheader on Saturday, starting at 3 and then 7 o'clock in primetime, Birmingham, New Orleans. That's the game to watch if you're tuned in to the USFL this weekend. Coming up, we tell you the players who have had their fifth-year option picked up across the league. There's a chunk of players. We'll run through that. And then we look ahead to Las Vegas where the NFL draft gets underway in just over 24 hours. That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick360 if you missed portions of today's show. Download the podcast just by searching out Outkick 360 wherever you find your audio. Uh, you need to settle something. Chad and I are having a debate about who's got a worse strikeout guy on his team. Dansby Swanson oh. has struck out 27 times, but he's taken 67 plate appearances to do this hut. While Joey Gallo has 23 strikeouts, fewer, but he's done it in 59 plate appearances. Well, so Eddie Rosario of the Braves got off to a very bad start and just had corrective eye surgery. <laughs> like, he was swinging at things all – Like a little I'm, kid who gets I'm glasses. watching Dansby Swanson and thinking he may need the same procedure. He can't tell ball from strike. Like he is swinging well, I, at, at pitches them, that are way out of the strike zone, and, and is it wrong which is unlike him. Different, like I, yeah, Swanson ga- should be a contact yes. Exactly. Gallo that that guy a, should never strike out. Yeah. Gallo is a boomer bust guy. Yeah, and it's accepted. Like I, yeah, he finally hit his first home run the other night. I think Gallo's getting released at some point well, this season. Well, Swanson's about to be playing up. for the Gwinnett Stripers uh, here pretty soon if he keeps this pace up. He is batting 180. And how many strikeouts did you say? 27 in 67 He's not appearances. a strikeout guy. Well, I know you're joking, but if He's you, not a power guy that can allow himself to be a strikeout guy. May, they didn't have Freeman or Swanson on the roster. <laughs> well, what if... What if he came back and said, I think I need that same surgery. Eddie just, <laughs> <Yeah>. They should <laughs> Guys, just have uh, eye doctor day in just, the Braves clubhouse. I got an idea. Instead of sending me uh, up the road to Gwinnett in AAA, just put me on the DL so I can have that same surgery. Read the Eddie sign. Just uh, A-K. I can't tell. F or P. Uh, G. 
Look, I'm, I, I would be lying if I said that I'm watching, you know, over two innings of Braves games right now. Yeah. But every time I watch Dansby Swanson at bat, it is a disaster. I've been watching the Yanks a lot, and I hate Joey Gallo. NFL draft coming up tomorrow. If we go back to the 2019 draft, those players are being extended fifth-year options right now across the league so far. Nick Bosa with the 49ers, Jeffrey Simmons with the Titans, Quinnen Williams with the Jets, Devin White with the Bucks. The Lions have picked up the fifth-year option on TJ Hawkinson. Uh, same goes for Ed Oliver with Buffalo. Brian Burns in Carolina. Noah Fant, who's been traded from Denver, now in Seattle. He's had his fifth-year option extended. And Montez Sweat with the Washington Commanders. No question on any of those guys. The number one pick was Kyler Murray. And the jury's still out on that. The, the expectation they'll is they pick up the fifth-year option. There. The it. deadline's not until, it's, what, May 2nd? It's the time of season for clerical work. That's what we're having happen right now with these teams. Uh, You've got some administrative assistants going on vacation next week is what that tells me. Uh, the, the ones who haven't been extended at the top of that draft, Cleland Furl and Pass. Rashawn Gary, who was drafted 12th overall by the Packers. He'll get his. He's good. Um, yeah, throughout the throughout that list, That's so far it's been a good hit list. Well, yeah. we get that tomorrow. We'll preview the NFL draft Can't all wait. day tomorrow right here on OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Do not block the box, but do lock your locks.